Welcome to Prince Drive by Track, I'm your host Darren, and today we're going to be talking about Rock and Roll is Alive, parentheses, and it lives in Minneapolis, from the Gold Single, uh, recorded on the 9th, 12th, and 14th of September 1995 at Paisley Park, and released on the 30th of November 1995 as the B-side to Gold. Uh, on the track we have Prince, Michael B, Sunny T, Tommy Barbarella, Mr. Hayes, Maite, and we have a bunch of people in Paisley Park yelling <laughs> the words Rock and Roll is Alive. Uh, those were the one. Those that was the part that was recorded on the 9th of September, and then most of the tracking was done on the other two days. Um, you know, uh, the track is four minutes thirty-four, and joining me to talk about it is Max from Movies of the Meek. Hello, Max. Hi, thank you for having me. Um, now, in terms of like a genre, I feel like Prince has put it in the title. Um, <laughs> you know, this is like you know a, a rock and roll song. Um, you know, um, I, I, it's really weird because. You know, this was a response to um, Rock and Roll is Dead, uh, which was the Lenny Kravitz single, which was released on the 26th of July, 1995. It was relatively successful, Um, you know, and Lenny Kravitz even said that, you know, uh, the song was completely misunderstood. And, you know, they heard the title and they took it at face value. And, you know, he was like kind of just kind of joking over the idea of like rock and roll being dead. Um, and, you know, it did fairly well over here. It got to number 22 on the UK singles chart. Um, Gold actually did better. It got to number 10. So I, more people heard Rock and Roll is Alive than Rock and Roll is Dead, I guess. Um, and, you know, Rock and Roll is Dead got to number 75 on the Billboard Hot 100. So, you know, not a, a complete disaster. To sell the song, Lenny Kravitz put Are oh, You Gonna Go My Way, like a live version as one of the B-sides. Um, I feel like he was dining off that song for a little yeah. while after after it was successful. Uh, of course, it's really weird because, you know, uh, at this point, I wouldn't say that Lenny Kravitz's career was dead. But, you know, he kind of had a bit of a lull after, you know, Are You Gonna Go My Way? You know, the, like that kind of stuff at the beginning of the night was, it was like quite a big hit for Lenny Kravitz. Um, and then by the time like Circus came out, he wasn't, you know, this was kind of like the best hit from that particular album. Um, and then it was only really when he released like, uh, you know, American Woman and, and, you know, a couple of songs after, you know, kind of in the late 90s where he kind of had a small resurgence. But, uh, yeah. So, you know, Prince obviously heard the song and decided to respond to it. <laughs> I, I don't know. This is one of the rare times where Prince has kind of, you know, um, got involved like in a beef, yeah. like, you know, uh, aside from when he did um, Hello. Uh, which obviously, you know, was his beef with, um, you know, the the charity, <laughs> USA for Africa. Um, so, you know, aside from having a beef with a charitable record, you know, that was his other that was his other major beef in the 80s. Um, you know, like 10 years later, he's he's suddenly having a beef with Lenny Kravitz. And it's worth saying as well that like Prince and Lenny Kravitz performed together a couple of times. You know, after Prince's death, Lenny Kravitz, you know, he performed a few songs in tribute to Prince, you know. And the best part is that Lenny Kravitz did the ba- did some backing vocals on the Gold Experience. So it's like immediately afterwards, yeah. he's, he's releasing a track feuding with him. <laughs> and then when, when Prince did uh, Rave to the Year 2000, you know, Lenny Kravitz came out and did American Woman with Prince on on that um, on that pay-per-view event which obviously then turned later into a DVD. So it was kind of clear that you know they were very friendly. Um, and it kind of makes sense because if you think about the kind of artist that Prince was and you think about, you know, Lenny Kravitz who, you know, he was 
he was very famous for having this kind of like analog aesthetic, like insisting on buying, you know, really old kind of like, um, you know, four tracks and eight tracks and, you know, using, you know, kind of speakers from that were made in the 60s and his guitars were all made in the 60s. And I'm almost certain that Lenny Kravitz bought like a guitar that was made by Les Paul at one point. So like they, you know, Lenny Kravitz had this very kind of specific kind of aesthetic that he was going for. Um, and you know, I, I will say this. You know, I I've I think I've got like the first three Lenny Kravitz albums, and you know, there's a few songs on there that are, you know are certainly among my favorites. Um, you know, he's got a great voice. You know, he's a he's a he's a you know really good musician. So, but he like he's not you know as prolific as Prince was. Um, but you know, he's he's still you know uh, relatively well known. Um, you know, and and. Uh, like I, it's funny now because it's one of those situations where I think his daughter is probably better known than he is now. Oh yeah, um, yeah. So it's like it's like one of those things where you know certain artists have like children who end up becoming famous, and then you kind of forget about their their parents. She's the um, best thing he ever made. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, you know that and uh, stand by my woman. I, you know, I'd say those two are pretty good. But yeah, so I, I don't know. So it's it's kind of funny that Prince has you know decided to do this as a B side, and this is effectively the final B side that Prince ever recorded. After this point, he you know he released singles from you know on Emancipation, and you know he released a couple more singles off Gold. You know he released singles off Chaos and Disorder, but all the B sides for those were existing songs that were already on the album. They were just more album tracks. Okay. And so by the time you get to you know like two thousand and one, um, you know Prince released the Work Part One as the lead single for um, Rainbow Children, um, but it was released digitally and it had no B side, and you know that's that that kind of kept on going then for the you know for the rest of his career. He would release yeah. singles mostly digitally. Um, uh, you know, I don't think he released another single like on physical media after like 2002. Um, and so they didn't really require B-sides. They were just, you know, single songs by themselves. There are a couple of digital songs that he did where he released two songs together. And you could kind of say that one is the A-side and one is the B-side. But, you know, not really because neither, you know, so in those cases, neither of them were on albums. So effectively, they were both, you know, non-album tracks. Um, and so this is, you know, this is the final B-side of Prince's career. And it's, you know, it's a response to a Lenny Kravitz single that I'm sure most people have probably forgotten even existed. <laughs> so uh, I don't know. It's it's just it's just really it's just kind of really funny. Um, and it's, it's the thing is, I remember as well, you know, I, I bought Gold on Casingle. And, you know, I saw the title of the B-side. And like I said, you know, Rock and Roll is Dead was, you know, a, a minor hit over here. You know, it did quite well. And so I was like, well, this seems weird that Prince has called something Rock and Roll is Alive. Because Lenny Kravitz has just, you know, five months earlier released a single called Rock and Roll is Dead. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if this could have any connection. Um, and, yeah, so, you know, the people who attended the recording, they got like a, a lyric sheet. Um, so obviously they'd know what to sing along to. Yeah. Um, during the recording and at the bottom it said thanks Lenny call me in Minneapolis so <laughs> like Prince was deliberately kind of you know and, and and the thing is as well the song was actually premiered on um, you know Minneapolis radio on uh, KW um, KDWB um, in, in Minnesota so like that it's really it's just one of those things where Prince was just like I've recorded a song, I'm going to stick it out, <laughs> give it to the radio, and then it turns up as a B-side later on. And, uh, yeah, so, I don't know. It's, it's uh, To me, it's just a really weird footnote, considering that, like, two years previous to this, Prince had the hits of the B-sides, 
And yeah. he had enough B-sides that he could kind of leave three or four of them off. And yet he still had 20 B-sides. Um, <laughs> you know, so like it, it, up until this point in his career, you know, B-sides have been like, you know, kind of an important way for Prince to kind of get extra songs out when an album had been released. Um, but then, like after you know, after Gold, that was it. No more B sides from Prince. It's just, it's yeah. really weird that he kind of, I guess in a way, he didn't kind of stop doing that. It's just the method of his distribution of songs became different, and like the idea of what is a an album track and what is a B side, it just became like a different kind of notion. You know, it's like you know, like if you're if you're putting everything out digitally what it you know is anything an a side is anything a you know album track you know it's just all new music once you get to the mpg music club and that's i would say the interesting thing about that is just knowing that for such a i mean it wasn't an incredibly long period of time but there was that period of time where he absolutely just hated the internet and then when he decided to come back and distribute music through the internet he did it in like he was releasing like raw wave files and they were just these massive things that you could just never download and have it be a pleasurable experience and so it's just one of those things where it's like during that period of time where he was just absolutely against the internet it's strange that he didn't try doing b-sides during that period of time yeah it's and you know prince performed the song a little bit during the you know the tours that kind of followed this you know the love for one another tour and jam of the year tour um but it never kind of uh, you know completely by itself i don't i don't think there's really much to discuss in the lyrics because aside from the chant of rock and roll is alive um you know and like the interesting production i mean it's kind of a, a sign that you still have like Tommy Barbarella in the band because you have that kind of, you know, the kind of keyboard sound of like, a, you know, the kind of sampled strings kind of, you know, climbing and, you know, that that, that kind of sound that is very kind of mid 90s prints, um, you know. And so like the, the production of it, I don't know, it, obviously knowing the way it was recorded, you could say it feels rushed, um, mm -hmm. but it does like it, it does feel like. Prince just literally called a bunch of people from the local area in and had them chant "Rock and Roll is Alive" and it was in <laughs> Minneapolis, and then you know you kind of you only have like two real kind of verses and the chorus is just the title chanted back again, you know. And Prince saying, you know, from all over the world, even the president flies to worship a thing called fame. Red, white, and blue boys and girls tonight, everyone's the same. And some say it's dying, but we don't want to play that game. Like, okay, I mean, <laughs> you know. All he's saying is that everybody comes to, you know, Minneapolis to listen to rock and roll, which doesn't feel completely correct. I mean, you know, no disrespect to, you know, the Twin Cities, but they do not strike me as a hotbed of rock and roll. You know, like outside of outside of Prince and, you know, the, yeah. the Minneapolis sound, like I'd be hard pushed to kind of name any kind of like rock and roll bands from Minneapolis. Though I'm sure there are some, but it's like, it's not like they're famous enough for me to be able to call them to mind from the top of my head. You know, when you think about Minneapolis, you think about Prince and, you know, the time and, you know, uh, you know, pretty much anyone who was associated with Prince at the time. Like that's, that's what the music scene was. It was, the music scene was created by Prince so that he had like you know other bands to open for him like it's not <laughs> like there was an existing like rock and roll scene yeah which can you know considering how white the twin cities were it's a bit surprising that there wasn't like an existing scene there but you know it's not like there are you know it's not like i'm thinking of many rock bands from you know M minneapolis like i you know there are bands that i could name from boston and chicago not least of which is boston and chicago yeah um <laughs> 
but and there's you know there's obviously you know an established kind of punk scene in in New York and you know you've got like uh, in California you've got like the Eagles and you know everyone else from uh, the name of that valley which I can't quite remember at this point but you know obviously there's like there's there's tons of like places in America where you can think of kind of very big like rock scenes um but i would never say that minneapolis is one of them so yeah i would not <laughs> you know so i don't even know that the title is 100 percent correct you know aside from paisley park you know if when prince wanted to you know and this was something that was true of the stuff that he did in the early 90s you know he kind of went in a, you know he kind of returned to more of a rock direction um you know like obviously purple rain is you know it's mostly a rock album um so it's not like prince had never done rock um but uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just really weird, you know. He, he, especially when he, he, you know, he says, "Sure as the drive around the lakes of the Yards is cool, I know rock and roll will never die like the Minnehaha flow. Sure as the land of a thousand lakes is sometimes made of snow, there'll always be another king to die but naked on the floor." It's like you know, it's nice that Prince is acknowledging, you know, the the kind of the place that he comes from in in this like really naked way like this is the the very there's very few times where prince ever refers to lakes um and obviously you know uh, on big white mansion he'll talk about i say big white mansion on white mansion he'll talk about you know the land of the snow so you know it's it's very rare that he mentions snow or lakes in any of his songs despite the fact he came from a place that was covered in snow and had a lot of lakes so you know it's it's nice that he he makes that reference here and i do and the thing is as well something about prince you know that um that, that i you know that isn't kind of 100% acknowledged but he was very kind of proud of where he came from and you know there are a few songs where he will talk about minneapolis and you know where he'll kind of promote the area that he was born um and obviously you know paisley park was you know was in minnesota like you know if he wanted he could have he could have had that built in la he could have had it built in new york you know he could have had it built anywhere but he you know he chose to stay in his hometown um, and I think that's that's one of the reasons I think why, you know, a lot of people from that area were very proud of Prince and, you know, uh, you know, obviously, you know, he's essentially the biggest star that they ever kind of produced. Um, so, you know, I, I, I like I like that he has a little bit of kind of civic pride. And then the rest of the song is just mostly the chant and there's, you know, a guitar solo um, with the words very impressive, <laughs> which, <Yeah>. I, <laughs> you know, I kind of like. So the ending's really weird. It just kind of does that weird solo thing, and then they just keep doing the chant over and over again. Yeah. It's it's structurally very strange. And I'll also say, if you compare it to Rock and Roll is Dead, they're kind of structurally the same, as in there's only kind of like two parts. Um, it's yeah. very it's basic. Yeah, there's not like like Rock and Roll is Dead doesn't have a huge amount of verses. Maybe that's one of the reasons why people were able to misinterpret like what Lady Kravitz was saying. It's because it's like you haven't really made your thesis very clear, other than yeah. just saying Rock and Roll is Dead. Like we can easily misunderstand what you mean because you're not really laying it out there for us. And I think that's the same with this. Yeah, it does kind of just end and just cut like you get the chant and then I th- I think the thing is I'm guessing maybe the people who were there kind of maybe were chanting for hours. And Prince felt guilty and was maybe like, I'm going to have to use these chants. <laughs> Otherwise, <laughs> you know, maybe he heard him back later and he's like, I'm not really a big fan of these chants. But, uh, you know, we, we had people come in. Um, so I guess we're going to have to use it. Um, yeah. So it does kind of like, yeah, both songs just kind of like fade out and finish. They don't, you know, like I think Rock and Roll is Dead does actually have like a kind of guitar line that kind of finishes the song. And, you know, this it's funny because it's almost like Prince is not trying, he's trying not to copy that guitar line, but it still sounds kind of similar enough that you're like, 
reminded of this of, of rock and roll is dead whilst listening to rock and roll is alive so but yeah i don't know it's it's just one of the, it's just one of those weird kind of things where it's like a response song to a single that most people probably never remember like <laughs> like, like I, I don't know how many other instances in you know within music where this is the um this is the case i mean famously there were two songs that uh, that over here topped the charts in consecutive weeks um uh, whose titles were expletives, basically. Um, it's one done by some guy called Eamon, and I don't know that he ever did anything else after this one particular single. And then there was another, there was a woman who claimed to be the subject of, the, of his song who was doing a response song back and basically used the exact same sample. So it was just like listening to the same song twice through with two different people singing it. And that well. like one of them was number one. One of them was like number one for like three weeks. And then the other was number one for a couple of weeks. And then the first one was number one again. And it was like a whole summer of why on earth are we listening to these people swear at us on the radio? <laughs> but that's like the only other time where I can think of people doing like a specific like response song to another song. Yeah. Um, you know, and in that case, they were each claiming to be the subject of the other song. So, you know, it kind of sort of made sense. But yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's just a weird song. I wish that maybe Prince had done this more. Like maybe if he'd have just had some, you know, uh, you know, some beefs with some other famous people. And just kind of, you know, obviously there's the story of, you know, how uh, Michael Jackson proposed bad as a, you know, as a duet between the two of them. Um, and you know that was immediately shut down by Prince because he's like, I'm not going to sing on that song. <laughs> um, he's like, no, nobody, nobody get. And, not, and apparently, the main sticking point was the fact it, that Michael Jackson was going to open up singing "Your Butt Is Mine," and Prince was like, no, it isn't. My butt is not yours, so I'm not singing on that song. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. I, I wish, I wish that Prince had maybe got into some more beefs just so we could have seen his reactions to other songs throughout the years. Yeah. Uh, you know, and you know, maybe Madonna says she's a material girl, and he's like, no, you're not a material girl, and comes up with his own. But you know, like just something between superstars. I just like, I would like that kind of thing. I would like that to be more of a thing just now. I mean, yeah. obviously, we do have kind of stuff like that between you know, like Taylor Swift and Katy Perry. But I don't feel that's on the same level as you know, Prince versus anybody, basically. But yeah, so I don't know. For me, it's such a weird song to try and grade because it's like such a kind of kind of curio because it's like it, it's it literally does sound like Prince threw it together in three days, which yeah. is what he did. And, you know, so you can't, you can't, like, I, there's no way I could give it a five, but it feels weird to kind of give it anything less than, you know, I think for me, maybe it's like a three and a half, maybe just yeah. a three out of five. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's like, it's an enjoyable enough song, but it's like kind of, without the context, it's such a, like the production is so kind of odd and the structure of it is so kind of weird that you, you'd be like, if you just listen to it cold, you'd be like, I don't know what this is all about. I don't yeah. know what Prince is trying to achieve here. You know, like <laughs> there's be- like it's mostly a song that just has this one chant over and over again, as if to you know, like, as if to say, listen to this song and it will be merely proof that rock and roll is alive. But at the same time, there's so much kind of keyboards on here that you're like, it doesn't sound like very rocky to me. So yeah, it it has a real hard funk groove to it, which is like I would give it a four just because it is really groovy. But yeah, it it's. It's a tough one. It's yeah. real out of place. <laughs> yeah. And and just the fact that this is the last time he puts out a B-side is such a weird thing as well. It's like it's you, like there's some of the some of the singles later on where you you know like stuff off musicology and that where you're thinking you know it would have been great if you'd have had like a B-side instead of having like six remixes of stuff. You know, it just feels like uh I don't know once he was free from his Warner's contract 
you know, perversely, Prince actually put out slightly less music than he had when he was constricted by Warner's. So I don't know it's just it's just one of those weird things where at least when he was with Warner Brothers, he was able to stick out like twenty seven B sides, but when he wasn't with Warner's, he stopped doing B sides. Like it just doesn't make any sense to me. Um, but yeah, you know, it's it's a fun enough song, but like if it's divorced of context and you're just listening to it as as the song by itself, I don't think you would be convinced that rock and roll was alive. Um, but at the very least, you know, it did lead us to see Lenny Kravitz and Prince sing "American Woman" on Raven to the you know year two thousand, and that's you know it's a fun enough performance. So, you know, maybe there's that. Um, <laughs> but uh, otherwise, I feel like we said about as much as we can about rock and roll is alive and it lives in Minneapolis. So let's go to plugs. Is there anything you wish to plug, Max? Uh, just check out Movies of the Meek. We review made-for-TV movies, and you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher. Just any podcast platform. We're also on Twitter and Instagram. And you can find us on Facebook at Prince Trap by Track or on Twitter at Prince Podcast. Or you can email us, not sure we would, at Prince Trap by Track at gmail.com. Thanks once more for being my guest here, Max. All right. Thank you for having me. And otherwise, this podcast is alive, but it doesn't live in many hours.